Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Before we start, Brian would like to share a couple of things with you. First, did you know that Brian is a life coach, a grief guide, and a mental fitness trainer? Brian would love to help you with whatever life issues are challenging you. Brian has years of experience as well as training. You can contact Brian at www.grieftogrowth.com to learn more. Brian is the author of the best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted, Not Buried, which you can get on Amazon or Brian's website. This is a great book if you're in grief or to give to someone you know who is dealing with grief. Lastly, Brian creates free and paid resources for your growth. Go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash gifts, www.grief2growth.com to sign up for his newsletter. Choose a gift just for signing up and keep up with what Brian is offering. And now here's today's episode. Please enjoy. Hey, everybody. This is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me Colin Thomas Perry. He's a PhD. He's a writer and a lecturer in media. He lives and work, uh, works in Melbourne, Australia. And he has a depth of experience in Christianity and the spiritual relevance of the message of God for the contemporary world. And he's written a book called Dying to Be Alive. And it's the firsthand account of an incredible experience. In 2008, he suffered a heart attack and he found himself in an ambulance, blacking in and out in an imminent, immediate danger of death. He describes the experience of being in the presence of angels, engaging in conversations with Jesus, and then being offered a, chance, a choice to return to life on earth or continue on to heaven. So this book is more than just a story. It opens up a way to encounter with heaven that reaches from beyond the world deep into the heart and the soul. So I'm uh, excited to have uh, Colin with us today. So thanks for being here. My pleasure, Brian. Great to be with you. If you wouldn't mind uh, sharing your experience with the audience and maybe even start with before you had this experience, what, what were your spiritual beliefs? Okay. Uh, look, I, I was brought up a Christian. I've been a Christian all of my life, but I, I did definitely wander in and out of, of Christianity. Uh, I was a teenager in the 70s and um, left. My parents were, were beautiful people, but very, very conservative in their beliefs. Mm-hmm. So as a teenager, I was quite rebellious and and also I was and still am a, a musician um a guitarist and songwriter so I I joined the uh the secular music world and, and the the drugs and the lifestyle that sort of goes along with it and um although I didn't stop believing in God my my lifestyle was uh pretty out there and, and, and crazy at that point in time as a younger man mm-hmm. but um came back to my belief in God quite strongly over, over a period of time, but uh, went through divorce and sort of that, that, that shattered my my ideals, I guess, uh, to some extent. So at the time we are talking about in 2008, I was about three years out from divorce and, and feeling quite disillusioned, uh, feeling a lack of purpose, I guess, in my life and um, not quite sure of the directions that I should take. So uh, sort of blowing in the wind a little bit, I guess, was is, is the perspective at that point. Um, I had uh, children. I had a, a daughter who had been hit by a car when she was seven years old in, in 1987, and uh she was profoundly brain injured, so I, I would uh, spend time with her every couple of weeks. She would come stay with me. She lived in a facility, but mm. she was in a, in a position where she was mentally quite alert but unable to speak or move due to, to brain stem damage. So it, it was a fairly tragic situation, and that was a grief that really 
weighed heavily on my life. Sure. Uh, although I did have four other children, so you know I, I really got a lot of joy and, and love from them. But um, there was this cloud of grief, I guess, hanging over my life at that point in time. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I was really just drifting along in life, um, questioning God, not quite sure what He intended for my life, um, feeling that my life hadn't necessarily gone the way I would have liked it to have gone. So, so really wondering what God had in store for me or, or why these things had happened to me. So uh, feeling a little bit broken at that point in time. And uh, around that point in time, I started to experience chest pain. Uh, I was 49 years of age at that time. And that, that was a concern to me, obviously. So I went to see a doctor and, and she ran an ECG test on me and just said, look, please relax and take it easy at this point because we're not sure what's going on. We'll wait until the tests come back and see how things are, are going. Mm-hmm. So as as I would exert myself in any way, the pain would increase a little bit. So she was saying, well, don't, don't push it, take it a bit easy. So a week went by, uh, the test results still hadn't been given to me. So I was starting to feel better. She wasn't 100% sure if this was actually a heart condition or some other sort of condition. So at this point, I thought, oh, I'm feeling a bit better. I think I'll uh, go out and do some gardening. So my garden was beginning to look vaguely like a jungle at that point in time. So went out and started to um, pull on the, the line trimmer, you know, to try and get the machine started. And it's a, a stubborn machine at the best of times, and uh, it wouldn't kick over so I was just repeatedly pulling on the cord to try and to try and start this machine and uh, suddenly out of the blue bang there was this huge cramping sensation right across my chest and I I knew immediately what was going on Uh, this was unquestionably a heart attack and I was standing in in the yard and feeling very vulnerable because uh, this was I was on my own there was nobody there in the house with me and, and I thought this does not look good. I, I need to be very careful here. And just as this was happening, I actually heard a very loud voice speaking to me. Um, I still to this day don't know if it was an audible voice or an internal voice, but either way it was extremely loud. And this voice just said to me, you are going to die, but I have things for you to do. So immediately I was a little taken aback by this and spoke back and just said, what exactly do you mean by this? How, how can I die but still have things to do? And this voice just said, go inside, call an ambulance, pack a bag and be ready to go. So I, I just did exactly what that said. I was still able to walk and, and basically function. So I called for an ambulance and, and packed a bag with some clothes and just waited for the ambulance to arrive, which it did within about 10 minutes, which was good timing. And uh, the the ambulance officers came into the house and one of them was on his first day, poor man, first day of duty. Uh, so he was a, a total rookie, but there was a more experienced man with him and he was overseeing my treatment and uh, gave me morphine and uh, nitroglycerol, which is the standard sort of treatment for, for heart attack. And they put me into the ambulance and just said, uh, okay, we'll take you off to the hospital. We'll need to give you another another dose of morphine just to keep your blood pressure down. So they did that, and, and when they did that, I just said to them, I'm, I'm feeling dizzy, I know I'm going to pass out. So uh, at that point, the whole world went black, and uh, I was just floating, basically floating in, in darkness. I felt totally weightless. I felt as if I was in water, uh, in, in total blackness in water, without any weight, without any sensation but still very much alert and aware of what was happening. So I'm floating along in this this dark environment, not quite sure where I am or what's going on. Um, and, and it came to my awareness that this does not feel the same. I've passed out before, but this does not feel like the same experiences I've had at other times when I've passed out. And with that, I began to question, have I in fact died? Uh, am I still alive or not? And with that came a little, a little measure of fear. Mm. Uh, so, so I was floating along, just, just 
drifting. And, and as I became afraid, I began to feel the sensation of drifting downward, which in turn made me more afraid because my basic understanding of, of the universe is that that's not the direction I wanted to head in. Um, and so I, I just became more and more afraid. And then I actually looked down if there is really a down there. And I just sensed this horrible feeling of this great empty void, this great emptiness beneath me, just just nothing that went on forever. Uh, a, a void or a pit is the only way I can explain it. Mm. And I just knew deep down in myself that I didn't want to go in that direction. So having been brought up a Christian, I just I just called out, Jesus, help me with all my strengths. Uh, I, I just screamed it out. Uh, I realised now I didn't have a body, so it was my spirit was, was screaming this out. Mm-hmm. And um, I continued to drift and continued to go slightly downward, and then uh, out of out of nowhere, this this very strong hand came and just grasped my forearm and said, "You don't want to go that way," and started to pull me upward. And uh, this went on for some period of time. It felt like a few minutes. I don't know if I was going through a tunnel or what, but I could just see things just swooshing past me very, very quickly. It's a bit like if you've seen Star um, uh, Star Trek, a bit like going into warp speed, you know, it's, yeah. it's just very, very blurry, fast movement. I, I felt like I was travelling at an incredible speed and uh, continued to go up for some period of time and then we, we finally came to rest in this quite medium-light, cloudy sort of environment, I guess, and I was still adjusting to the environment and where I was. And I gradually became aware that there were, were six or seven angels standing around me with this one who'd come and grabbed my arm. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just lying there and I began to feel sensations that were coming from them. Uh, this is a little difficult to explain for anyone who hasn't been there, but it was there was a connection Um soul-to-soul connection, I guess, would be the best way to put it, where Mm -hmm. I could hear their thoughts, they could hear my thoughts, there were no words spoken, but we were in a direct line of communication and I I could actually feel what they were thinking uh, and their their emotions and their their state. And and this began to seep into me as I was there. And uh, may I say it was the most incredible experience. These beings made me feel so, so small. And humble. I, I felt like a little child in their presence. Their their um, awareness, their their knowledge, their wisdom, this ageless sort of sense of grandeur that, that was in them was something that made me feel primitive uh, mm. and unclean and very very small uh, in, in comparison to who they were. Uh, and um, so I just lay there for a little while, just just absorbing. What was happening, and then then began to say, you know, am I dead? What's what's happening? And uh, the one who came to get me started to speak to me with his mind, with his soul, and say, you you have died, um, but you're here, and we're going to give you a choice. You can either choose to stay here with us and go into paradise, or you can return to your life on earth, and and the choice is yours. So have a think about it, and what do you want to do at this point in time? Mm. So I, I had to think, and I, I remembered oh, I've got children. I've got this brain-injured daughter. I also, you know, my youngest child was still only eight years old at the time. So I, I really felt obliged. Plus, I, I didn't feel like my life's journey was over. I, I still felt there was a lot of things for me to do. Uh, so I, I thought about that, but at the same time, I also was just so surrounded by love and immersed in love and it was such a, an enormous beautiful sensation of being there with these beings in this place and, and I just was filled with this gushing enormous sense of love it was just infinitely large and infinitely beautiful and I was overwhelmed by that and I was so torn I did not want to come back to my life on earth if it wasn't for my children there is no question I would have stayed it was such a beautiful experience and such a wonderful place and such wonderful beings to be with. Mm. So I had a very tough, tough choice to make. 
yeah. uh, because I really did want to go on and and, and uh, be with them forever. Like that, there was no question. That's that was the ultimate. That was so much better than living on Earth. But I felt this feeling of responsibility for my children and and for my life feeling unfinished and said to them, no, look, I think I really do need to return uh, to my life and, and complete what's happening there. Uh, at this point, I, I actually became a little bit afraid because once again remembered I'll, I'm dead. Uh, and look, that, that's a scary thought. Even though you're in there in this beautiful, loving environment, I still became afraid. And um, with this fear, there was quite a response from the angels, which was very interesting. They, they all came and gathered around me and said, no, we, we can't have fear in this place. There is no fear in this place. And they, they sort of calmed me. I'm not sure how they did it, but they calmed me and brought me back to a, a state of um, contentment and joy and love, which seems to be the, the standard there. And uh, basically they, they just said, look, Fear is out of place in this environment. It, it doesn't really exist here. So we, we can't leave you in that state, which was beautiful. And at, at this point, um, I, I just turned to the one who'd come to get me a, and said, look, who are you? And uh, he just said to me, I'm the one you call Lord. And to me, that's Jesus. There's only one person I've ever called Lord, and he certainly looked like Jesus and was Jesus. Mm. So I was At that point, I was just... Uh, completely overwhelmed by the situation and uh, awestruck by the situation. And uh, so I was just saying, wow, <laughs> it's you, wow, it was basically all I could say, all I could think. Uh, and, and he said to me at this point, I've been through a lot of grief, as, as I've explained, and uh, he said to me, look, I want to do some some healing within you, so let me, let me come into you and heal you, basically, is what he said. So I said, sure, please, please do. And at this point, his his being sort of entered into mine and I could feel things shifting and changing within me and I could feel things rearranging on a spiritual level, quite a, such a deep level. And uh, I also, for a little while there, I was actually joined to him. Uh, and I felt, you know, I could feel what he was, and what he was thinking and his awareness. And it was mind-boggling. It was so universal and so huge. Um, he was aware of everything. It's the only way I can put it. He, he would know what was under a rock in Africa or he would know what someone was thinking in New York or, or whatever, that his awareness was totally infinite. And, and I was just amazed by that level of awareness and that level of love and power that was residing in this being, you know, in Jesus was, was just incredible. Um, and I realized, yeah, well, okay, this is, this is the son of God who's ascended to a higher level and is seated at the right hand of the father. And, and this guy has incredible power. This, this is a, a very, very advanced being. This is something beyond which I had ever understood, even though I was a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's just something beyond and above, uh, what any written word can really communicate about who he is and, and the extent of his love and his power. Mm. So there I was, <laughs> and I said to them, you know, yeah, I would like to go back. And, and Jesus turned around and said to the angels, so he was actually commanding them, telling them what to do, and said to them, please uh, go and check the vessel was the, the term he used. So uh, one of the angels, I saw it fly off into the distance, and I, off in the distance I could see myself in the ambulance a long, long way away. Uh, I was still lying on the gurney and unconscious and the attendants were working around me and I could see this angel fly down and obviously they couldn't see the angel, but this angel was just looking at my body, um, checking to see what sort of condition I was in. And while he was gone, uh, the Lord just started to speak to me and talk about what I was going to encounter when I, I went back, when I returned. Mm -hmm. uh, and at this point, he actually started to show me things. He and the angels were showing me things that were going to happen in my life and one particular person I was going to meet and and other things that were going to eventuate in my life. So he was actually, it was as if he was running a movie of snippets of my future uh, and telling me the things that were going to come up and, and telling me I had to be careful of this, I had to be aware of that, I had to, you know, 
there was risk involved in this situation or that, and he ran through quite a number of things, some of which I can remember, some of which I can't remember. Uh, he he also was saying, don't show him this bit, do show him that bit. So So he was being very careful about what he did reveal to me about what was coming up in my future, which to me that just opened up a whole a whole world of amazement and possibilities that that those angels in that level can just see right through time as if it's not there. Yeah. Time to them is just something that's that's not of great importance. They they can work through time. So uh, I guess after about it felt like 20 minutes of being there, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, something like that. Eventually he, he said to me, okay, I'm going to send you back. And uh, the angel flew back up and said, yes, the vessel is good. He's okay to return. And so after quite a lot of conversation and, and things, he told me things that were to come and all sorts of interesting stuff, which would take quite a long a long explanation, uh, and then he he sent me back. So I felt myself floating back down, and once again, I felt myself floating in this this sort of dark, watery environment. And then then I saw a light, and, and went towards that light, and bang! I was I was back in my body again. Wow. And it was uh, not a pleasant experience coming back. It was it was so beautiful where I was. It was just so light and spiritual and loving the sense of love there i just can't uh, emphasize that enough the love was so all-pervasive the love was enormous i felt as if my chest was going to explode with the sense of love it was so big and when i when i ended back into my body it was like hitting a block of concrete it was so um primitive and, and heavy and I, I just realized for the first time just how how much lower we are than the the angelic uh, existence uh, and that we our lives here are just so primitive in comparison to what is happening at that level uh, that I experienced beyond death uh, and and I was in a bit of pain but you know what I wasn't afraid anymore no. there was no more fear no more fear of death yeah. I thought, well, well if I die and I go back there Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I was laying there thinking. Um, some really interesting things happened when I came back. Um, I, I felt as if I'd been in water, as, as I've explained. And when I when I got back, there was no shirt on me. Um, and I, the ambulance operator, first thing he said to me was, oh, you're back with us. And he was standing with two defibrillator pads and they were about to about to zap me with them. Um and I said, yes, wow, this must have been a long time. I've been gone for ages. And he he said, what are you talking about? You've only been gone for one minute, mm-hmm. which I, I was stunned to hear that because there'd been this long period of time I had spent, um, at least 20 minutes, as I said, mm-hmm. and, and this had all taken place in Earth time within one minute. Which is just not possible. So I can only assume there's two very, very different time frames at work mm-hmm. uh, going on there. Um, he, and I had no shirt on. I said, "Where's my shirt?" He said, oh, "It was sopping wet." I just threw it over in the corner there. Took it off you and threw it over in the corner there. Sopping wet. So I said, "Can I have it back?" I'm a bit chilly. So he passed it back to me, and it was dry. I said, "This this shirt's completely dry." And he was shocked. He he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, understand how the shirt had been sopping wet one minute and dry the next. So it's as if the the reality from beyond death had almost seeped through into into this mm-hmm. earthly reality, and he had felt it as wet, although it was not. Yeah, uh, very very interesting things like that were going on. So um, I went on into hospital and was tested. And yes, I've had a heart attack, and they. Um, they operated on me and put a stent in, but I was still uh, hearing angels talking to me uh, for quite some period of time. Mm-hmm. And they they said some interesting things to me. They said we've we've healed three arteries, but this one we won't heal. And and I sort of didn't understand. I just took that for for what they what they said. 
And the head cardiologist came in and saw me after the operation and said, um, you're a very lucky man. He said, most people just simply die at your age when they have this particular sort of heart attack. Uh, and then he said, um, you're also a very lucky man because you've obviously had a heart attack before because there's been some bypass arteries that actually come into being in your heart. Your, your, your artery system in your heart has actually grown around blockages. Wow. wow. I thought, wow, <laughs> that's, that's interesting, you know. So it's like it's like uh, I, I believe the angels have literally performed bypass within yeah. my heart. So wow. there was only one artery left that needed a stent, uh, which was then put in me, and and I had a, a fairly good recovery uh, experience from there on in. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, um, while while I was there lying in hospital, the angels said to me, um, "The person you're going to meet that Jesus had spoke to me about was." within one kilometre of the hospital. Said, well, okay, all right. And sure enough, three, three, four weeks later, I did meet someone very important to me who, who lived about 800 metres from that hospital and someone I spent a lot of time with and, and um, actually did marry, uh, although we've since divorced again, unfortunately. But um, that was something they told me and it came to pass. It was it was a truth. So there, there was a lot of not only experience for me personally, but sort of hard evidence, I guess, that, that this was a reality, uh, that they were able to tell me things that would happen to me in my life in advance and show me all of this. So mm-hmm. incredibly interesting to me uh, yeah. that, that this goes on. I've always believed in it, book knowledge, always believed in it, but when you experience it firsthand, it goes to another dimension, literally, mm-hmm. and you, you understand there is a God there are angels, they are caring for you, they do see your future, they do look after you and guide you and, and care for you. It's it's a wonderful thought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank mm. you for sharing that so much. Um, I do have some questions. So you said initially you found yourself in, in, the, in the blackness and the, in the watery-like environment, and you felt yourself drifting downward. Do you believe that's because of the fear that you had? I think that played a part in it. Um, I don't fully understand. I don't claim to fully understand what was mm-hmm. going on at that point in time. Sure. Uh, I, I think. Oh, look! I, I believe in a heaven and hell. I'm not a. I'm not a big sort of hell Bible bashing sort of Christian. I'm not going around saying to everyone, "You're going to hell." Um, but I certainly felt something very, very frightening down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, deeply, deeply afraid of of going down into that that darkness, um, and and that. To me, was quite important. Did the, the fear certainly took me in that direction? Mm-hmm. I don't believe it was responsible for what's there. I, I think there's there's two two directions up and down in, in mm-hmm. the universe or, or, or wherever that is. And um, yeah, I, I certainly was was calling out to go in the upward direction, not the downward. Yeah, yeah, and and, and Jesus obviously responded when you when you made that call. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And often after this experience, I think back to I've studied the Bible deeply, but even more so after this experience. And uh, I think back to the words he said, and, and one of them was, "Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Mm. So that's that's a great thought. Yeah, I did call on the name of the Lord. I was saved. So so it gives that another context. Yeah, to consider. Yeah. So when when Jesus was showing you what would happen in your future, was it presented as these things are going to happen or these things are, are possibilities or probabilities? He did talk about that, actually. He did say to me, uh, one of the things he said very clearly to me was, whether you come back here is to do with your choices. And, and if you choose the wrong path, you won't necessarily come back. But if you choose the right path, you will. Mm. And he was very clear that there were choices for me to make, and that is, in fact, what he was showing me and talking okay. to me about those choices. So I, I, I gained a, a very good understanding of um, the fact that our life is just absolutely full of choices where we can go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I do understand more after being there is, is the importance of right and wrong, good and evil in, in our lives and, and what an enormous role that plays. 
Um, and, and with my studies and what I've done, I'm beginning to understand that that's like another dimension. We, we talk about time being the fourth dimension. I think good and evil is the fifth dimension in, in that uh, they are directions we can go in in our lives, that, that, that they are measurable uh, and that we can do good or we can do bad and that if we head in one direction, there's going to be one direction outcome and if we head in the other direction, there'll be another direction outcome and, and that's really important. I think to every human being to understand that, uh, and, and that's why you know I love the Christian message so much because of its forgiveness, because of its its mercy and its love for uh, uh, overcoming that evil side. Um, yeah, and I, that was very important. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. So you mentioned before you had this experience, you kind of felt like you were adrift. I know you were you were raised Christian, and and you kind of when you when you say you were adrift, how does that how does that play out for you? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Well, by by that I mean, look, I still believe in God very much, mm-hmm. um, but I was wondering, okay, God, you you love me, I'm your child, I believe in you. Why are these bad things happening to me? Why why has this happened to my daughter? Why am I divorced and lonely? Why has the why has my life gone wrong? Sure, basically, and sure. Um, fairly selfish at its at its roots. But that's what I was wrestling through at that point in time and interestingly since then i've read a lot of other books from from people who've had near-death experiences and and, um almost without exception either they have gone through or are about to go through some very very difficult difficult circumstances and it's as if god is giving them something to to grasp onto and something to say yes there is hope in the universe yes there is love in the universe Um, Mm -hmm. and i know that's the effect it had on me Uh, it totally changed my viewpoint on who god is and and what he does for us and how he cares for us because they're the things i was i was questioning and confused about very much yeah i think that's very that's very human it's very normal when we go through things like that and i know you talked about the experience with your daughter and the accident, and I can only imagine the feeling of abandonment, I would guess, that, you know, the yeah. guy had let that happen. So did you, what was the insight you got when, from your experience in terms of why these things happen to us? I, I think we live, we live in a very flawed level of the universe. The universe, whatever it is, multiple dimensions, it's, it's a little hard to describe, but I, I believe sure. we live in it. Yeah. A multi-dimensional universe would be the best way I could put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this just being here, just being in this world, in this human body, comes with the territory of disease, death, pain, suffering. Uh, they are part of the deal, unfortunately. That's just what we have to put up with here. It's part of this physical existence. Uh, and I've come to understand that now. I, I don't blame God for that anymore. I, I realize that's just, it's where we are and it's the way things work here because we are in a physical body. But simultaneously, we, we are a spirit, a soul. And, and our souls just, just very naturally don't feel quite at home here. This isn't my best way of understanding it. We don't feel like this is where we belong. And I can I can really relate to that that we're we're just visitors here on this planet, um, and that there's something more, there's something eternal, which is why humanity always has grasped for the eternal in one form or another. Because I think at a deep, deep level, we know we know that that exists, and we know that we are eternal beings at, at a soul level. Uh, so yeah, look, that's that's my best way of explaining it, um, and, and I think you know Jesus did come into the world to offer us a way and to offer us love at the core of it all. I mean, when you get down to the the core teachings of Jesus, it is all about love. Love is the number one principle. 
Uh, and that was certainly my experience when I was with him and with the angels, is that uh, love is love is the essence of what God is and, and what he brings into our lives and into this level. Right. Well, I think that's that's universal right? when people that have had near death experiences. It's all it's all about love. It's all about us being one, um, you know, unity. Um, so your uh, Jesus, when you when you came back, uh, do you feel like you came back to spread the message of NDEs or was it something else or what do you think? Oh, I, I undoubtedly came back to well, all of the above. Okay. Um, he did tell me it's important that you spread the the word of this, and by that he meant I think the NDE. By that I think he meant him and the angels and the love that mm-hmm. they were transmitting to me. And, and he was just saying, spread the word of this as far and as wide as you can. And I, I think that is something that I'm certainly not alone in. Uh, there's thousands upon thousands of people who've had NDEs. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. There are there are thousands of NDEs recorded there. Um, and as you say, universally, the theme of love is mm-hmm. is the strong is the common point <laughs> for all of these things. People just saying, "I I felt enormous love when I was there. I, I met with a being of light who." Who just poured love into my soul, and that—that's very much at the core of what um, of what is there, and, and what I believe is waiting for everybody. If if they, you know, follow after the path of light and love and goodness. Mm, yes. So, um, I think you said that you had said in another interview, possibly that you you were told there was going to be some pushback against spreading the message of NDE. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and and there is uh, a lot of pushback, uh, sometimes unexplainable. Look, it comes from a lot of different directions. It does. Yeah, universally, I think people are afraid of what they don't understand. Um, I, I've I've had some really abusive um, responses uh, to my story. Um, some accusing me of just wanting to make money from writing a book about it. Uh, which is very far from the case. If anything, I've, I've lost money on the book I've written about it. But um, th- there is this suspicion and uh, negativity around it. And, um, yeah, I, I find it unfortunate, but I think it's just a part of human nature that whenever there's something that rises to that high spiritual level, there's people trying to tear it down and destroy it, as as happened to Jesus, as happens to Sure. You know, so many of his followers. Yeah, we, we we talked a little bit before we started recording. Um, the pushback comes from from multiple sides. It comes from the atheists or the materialists that say mm-hmm. that you know there's this is impossible. It's just a, it's an artifact of a dying brain. It's a lack of oxygen. You know all the other things they say. And then you know you and I talked about it, and I, I do want to address it while we're talking here. When I post videos of near-death experiences, a lot of times I have, I'll have some Christian people, and it's some, will say this can't be true. Um, this this is this is a hallucination. This is of the devil, et cetera. Have you gotten any of that? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. I have had some small instances of that. Um, look, I, I think there's a particular group of Christians who are very quick to to label things as of them um, without much evidence or without much uh, yeah, reason. They, they said or, Jesus or, was of the devil, yeah. Exactly. And and all the prophets, like yeah. whenever there was prophets or men of God 
that that got up and spoke out these spiritual truths. Inevitably, some usually, unfortunately, usually the religious institutions were the ones that attacked them the hardest, and uh, the most traditional of the institutions are often the ones who who speak out the loudest against these things, because it threatens their 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 world order as such mm-hmm. that. They have a tradition and they believe they are right and their way is the correct way. So anything that that brings up a challenge to that, they just label it off the devil. Bang. Uh, I think it's it's a fairly primitive way of thinking and um, I'm, I feel sorry for them, to be honest. I just think it's a shame that they have to do that because I myself and almost everybody else I know who has had an MBE will uh, is somebody who is, is seeking to better the planet Earth and and the people here. Uh, so uh, it's sad that, that this is thrown against us here. It, it, it is sad, and I do want to point out that it's not all Christians. There's there's a subset of them, and you've mentioned before, you know, John Burke, who I've actually interviewed in my program, who's a pastor who's mm-hmm. spreading this word of near death experiences. Um, I think it's right in line with what Jesus teaches. It's right in line with what the Bible teaches. It's we're we're spiritual beings. We are we are here for you know for a short time and then we're going back home. I I the only reason that I can explain the pushback, as you said, is like it has to be my way, and there's there's a there's a lot of fear around it. And I and I, I feel sorry for those people, but they do. They whenever I post a near-death experience video, you know, some of those people come come out of the woodwork and um I just, you know, I think of what Jesus said, you know, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Um, yeah. Because the universal message is, you know, and, and Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. So when I listen to you talk and you're spreading love and hope and peace and, you know, uh, goodness, how could that be bad? Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm spreading the word of Jesus. I'm, I'm spreading Jesus' love. I, I'm trying to talk to people about, coming to know God, to communicate with God, mm-hmm. to let God communicate with them. Yeah, exactly. I think what I'm what I'm doing and what so many other people in my situation are doing is, as you say, directly in line with the message of Jesus, with the Christian message. So, um, but look, there's been people throwing stones for so many centuries now. It's nothing new. Um, and all, all I can do is keep on going and just ignore it as much as possible. Because I don't think it's of God that sort of behaviour. I, mm-hmm. I think it's it's very much of of humanity and selfishness and and uh, power. Right. I think it is to do with power and saying I've got the exclusive right to to know what God is and how He works. And, and uh, I also think there is an overemphasis on the written word in, in the Protestant Christian movement, um, of which I am a part, mm-hmm. uh, but. The Bible is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful document inspired directly from God. I absolutely believe in, in, in its truth in, in every word. But I think when when we put book uh, ahead of the reality of God in our lives, I think we're on dangerous territory. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from, in that mm-hmm. they're saying, well, you don't fit this verse or you don't fit that verse. And I would come back to them and say, well, I don't think you fully understand that verse. I don't think you fully understand the context of, of how this book was written. I don't think you fully understand what it's saying. You believe in an interpretation of this book. But in its in its essence, it actually goes beyond what you believe, and it's bigger than you believe. And I think we've just got to open up our minds and accept that God is doing things in the world today through people that um, are sort of explained by the Bible, but perhaps they are things that are new. And Jesus talked about this. He said, you know, you, you can't put old wine into new wineskins. You need to have a new wineskin to to understand and, and to contain what, what I'm putting into people and into the world. And I think that's the situation that's been going on ever since he was on earth, is that things continue to develop, to grow, and and new new understandings continue to emerge. And I think this current movement of MBEs is very much a new understanding for, for the people of Earth that, is, that has come about through medical um, medical possibilities, mm-hmm. where so many people are being uh, revived and brought back from death. 
that it's just becoming overwhelming. And doctors themselves are even even non-believing atheist doctors are saying there's there's something going on here. Yeah. Particularly when when people come back to life and start telling them what, what they were doing in the room down the corridor, etc., and they have no choice but to believe it. It's it's a reality, which certainly throws some big questions over the sort of scientific atheistic view of the world. Exactly. Well, I think what yeah. you just said was was so important. It's brilliant. I want to I want to emphasize that because you talked about people emphasizing the written word and, and a guy and I can't quote him directly, but someone posted just recently in one of my videos. I don't believe in man's experiences. I only believe in what the Bible says. And I'm like, the Bible mm. is about man's experiences. You know, it's it's just these are men from a long time ago. Um, and they'll believe like Paul's account on the road to Damascus, you know, because it's written in the Bible, but they won't believe someone like yourself that says, this just happened to me. Yeah. I fully believe Paul. I've read Paul's books inside out hundreds of times. Uh, I fully believe he went through a near-death experience. I do too. Uh, yeah, he he was um, stoned to death at one point. He was carried off as dead and then revived. And many of the things he he talks about really resonate with me. He talks about, you know, once I knew a man who went to the third level of heaven and, and he's very mysterious in his language and mm-hmm. appears he's talking about himself. He, he talks about uh, the book of Romans 8, 38, I think it is, right at the end of the book of Romans, chapter 8, he talks about um, no one can keep us from the love of Christ, not, not height nor depth, not past nor future, not good nor evil, not, a, not authorities, not angels or demons. And I feel like he was running through the different levels of, of the universe as such. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I, I fully believe Paul experienced this, and, and that's why he was just so dedicated and and so firm in his faith because he'd experienced it well twice, really. Once on the road to Damascus, and and once when when that stoning took place. Yeah. So I, I know that, and I hate to bring this up, but I know you you've had a daughter that's passed. So that's something that we we have in common. Was that before or after your near death experience? That was uh, about a year after my near death experience it was it was quite quite amazing I, I still get emotional um, thinking about it uh she was hit by a car as I said when she was seven years old and was mm-hmm. in a, a coma for three months they were really didn't expect her to survive at one point she had very severe brain injury particularly at the brain stem and which controls sort of the the, the flow of information between the brain and the body and sure. so her movement was almost completely compromised, but she could use one hand and she could sign yes and no, and, and she still had a slight verbal communication ability. She couldn't really speak, but she could use voice intonation to, mm. to get things across. Mm-hmm. So she, she was undoubtedly fully alert and fully aware, but unable to to speak in any detail. Um and as I said, she was in a coma for three months, and I remember just sitting with her after my experience and, and explaining to her what had happened, and she became extremely excited and, and started to squeal with joy, and, and she started pointing at herself, and mm. just pointing, pointing at herself like that. And I, I stopped and I said, Beck, have, have you experienced something like this yourself? And she, yes, the finger went straight up, yes, mm. yes, yes. So I gather that when she was in that coma, she was actually in, in a heavenly experience oh, wow. for some some period of time. Wow. So um, when she finally passed, it was it was very unfortunate. She had uh, broken her leg; her bones were very chalky because of uh, being in a wheelchair for so many years. Um, yeah. And her leg was caught in a doorway, and as she was pushed through the doorway and broke her leg. Simultaneously, she she caught the swine flu. This was two thousand and nine when the swine flu flu was around. So mm. they they realised she was sick. She had a very nasty cough. They took her into hospital, and, and within three days, her lungs had almost completely uh, dissolved from this pneumonia from the swine flu. So she had just no chance of survival. Poor girl. Mm. And um, so as she was passing, I, I just was able to sit with her and just say, look, we know. 
what's at the what's at the end of this and what's on the other side of this and it was such an incredibly comforting beautiful thing to, to be able to sit there with her and, and just talk to her and I could see the relief on her face when I said it I said you just remember remember what's there what you experienced remember what I experienced and you know where you're going you know yeah. there's a really good place and I could just see her face just just the relief just flood into her face she couldn't respond much but uh, yeah, I, I knew she was well aware. And and as she passed, it was, although a very sad experience, also a very beautiful experience. I can only imagine that your experience gives you some comfort, but you still grieve. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I, I don't think we can ever imagine that it's that grief is not to be felt when you lose a loved one. It, it's uh, I've lost both my parents, my daughter. I'm well accustomed to this, and it, it's hard. It is hard, although you know um, where they are going and what's happening. It, it's still a sense of loss because they've they've passed on. They've they've moved on and left you here, and that's the grief. That is the pain that they're not with you anymore. Um, I, I've had some incredible experiences with my father as he was passing on too. Um, very much in in a semi-conscious state, right in his last day and um, hardly able to breathe. And I started to read Psalm 23 to him because he used to love that psalm. So I just started to read Psalm 23. And out of this semi-conscious state, he put his head up and he recited the entire psalm from start to finish. Mm. And then laid back down again. I thought, wow, this is this is supernatural. This is this is something incredible. He He could hardly even talk. Right. Let alone recite the entire twenty third Psalm with vigor. You know, he right. was really, uh, really enthused by it. It was, it was incredible. And and you just realise with these things, and often at death, these things do emerge that really reflect. There's so much more at play here. There's so much more spiritual going on than we than we understand. And we've got to be open to just the power of God at that level, particularly regarding death and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. And what you describe is you know, the term is terminal lucidity for people that are listening. I mean, this is a yeah. this is yeah. a real thing that that people that have been in comas, people that have had Alzheimer's and haven't spoken in years, suddenly they'll get a burst of of clarity. Uh, yeah. Usually, right before, usually a couple of days, hours, maybe uh, before they pass. Yeah, and I think that reflects literally the passing of out of the body into into the, the the spiritual life beyond death mm. and uh that i think it's part of that process yeah and it's a very very precious time and although people are deeply grieving i think it's really important to to have that belief that there is something beautiful awaiting your loved ones when they do pass and to hold on to that and to and to thank god for that because it's it's so important that we that's at the core of our belief, you know. The, the, the very core of Christianity is, you know, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that those who believe on him would not die but have eternal life. That's yes. the core of Christianity. That's John 3, 16. And, and all of these near-death experiences are, are the living example of that in, in life, right? Uh, although we've got that verse there, the reality of it is what people who come back from NDEs are telling you about. Yeah, this is, this is it, it, it's, where it it's, it's really interesting. I'm watching The Chosen right now. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, yeah. the Chosen is a, for people that are listening that might not know, it's a, it's a mini series about the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really well done. And so people, you know, they watch Jesus perform the miracles and stuff, and then they believed. And as you said earlier, God is still showing us the way. God is still speaking through people like yourself you know, allowing us to get these glimpses into what we call heaven, uh, allowing us to, to come back and, and giving us evidence. And it's it's really sad that so many people are ignoring this, this, I think, beautiful message that we're getting over again. I think we need it desperately. People have forgotten who we are. Absolutely. We are a soul. And I think that's at the core of it all. We are a soul, a spiritual entity that's in a physical body and the bible itself tells us that time and time and time again uh that you know this this mortal coil you know this 
this tent that will pass away from us, uh, it, it's something that that is constantly reinforced. And, and I think the NDE experiences are just in line with that 100% and perhaps recontextualizing that into the current day. So taking it out of the written word, Bible knowledge into everyday life. And I think that's why it's so important for people to hear about it and for people to understand God is working right now in people's lives, everybody's lives, without exception. Um, that That's across the board and, and people can accept or reject. And I think that's the choice I was talking about with the good and evil that People can accept God and love into themselves and express that in their lives, or they can reject it and be bitter and angry and all those negative emotions. They're the choices we are grappling with. Uh, and I think for those who've lost loved ones, uh, the, the response to that is a very important one. But you can be angry at God, you can shake your fist at God, but basically you're shaking your fist at yourself. Um God is a part of all of us, and yes, it's sad, but we we need to remember we're all, without exception, all going to die, and and the the outcome for children who die is particularly beautiful. From all of the NDE experiences I've read and I've heard about, um, children are just immediately embraced into the arms of God. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they are pure, innocent souls, and God just loves them. And, and welcomes them. So th that is something I just get the sense there's people out there, quite a few who've lost children, and sure, be sure. comforted. Yeah, just just be comforted and know that, that God's got your child. God's got your child in his arms and, and caring for them. Yeah, I, you know, the thing is we talked earlier about fear and we talked about not knowing. And for me, we fear what we don't know. And the more I learn about near-death experiences, the less fear I have, because everybody I've spoken with has had a near-death experience and said, I don't fear death anymore. I just, that's not something that, so this this idea that we have in our society that death is a bad thing, it's the ultimate victor, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it kills all of our dreams. It's just, just simply not true. Agreed. Look, I, I think what I was talking about earlier, that we, we have this innate understanding that we are eternal. I, I think there are such deep things at play here mm -hmm. uh, beyond our understanding in terms of multiple dimensions and levels of heaven that are mentioned in the Bible and that we don't come from here. Right. I, I think that that story of the Garden of Eden and Genesis, I think it's based on very real events. We don't come from here. We, we've been relegated to here because of some impurity, something, some reason that I don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. But... Um, to do with good and evil and those sorts of areas I've, I've been discussing, but that we really do belong in an eternal existence, that death is actually foreign to us. What really dies is our physical body. What really dies is the, the, the clay, the carbon. That's what dies. Right. Uh, we do not die. And that's what I think everyone, so many people, do understand that, and that I think is the essence of of belief in God. I, th I think is really expressed in that that we are eternal beings, a part of God, uh, and heading back towards God. And that, that's our our destiny. And I believe as long as we follow after the path of light and love, that's that's the direction we're going to head in. Um, so that that's very much the message I'm trying to bring to everybody: fear not. Uh, because fear is not a positive emotion. What does what so the, the Apostle John says? Perfect love casts out fear, and, and that is the way it should be. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap up. So if you could remind people of the name of your book, where they can get it, and if people can reach out to you, how can people find you? Okay. Uh, look, I, I write under the name C. Thomas Perry, and my book is called Dying to Be Alive. If you just do a search, it's on Amazon, it's Barnes & Noble, all the major book uh, book supplies should have it available. So not a problem finding it there if you do a search. Dying to Be Alive, C. Thomas Perry. If you want to uh, be in touch with me, uh, author at gmail.com or you'll find uh, the C. Thomas Perry author page on Facebook. 
So they're, they're the best ways that you can contact me and, and discuss things. Quite happy. I, I regularly respond to people who send me emails or messages. So um, I encourage you, if you want to be in touch, please do feel free. Awesome. I want to thank you for, for being bold enough to carry your message or this message forward. Um, I think it's, 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 it's going to inspire a lot of people. It's going to bring a lot of people hope. Um, and I, I appreciate you what you're doing. Thank you. And I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you, Brian. It's been great. All right. Have a great day. I'm excited to announce I have a great new resource. It's called Gems, Four Steps to Move from Grief to Joy. And what it is, it's four things that I've found that I do on a daily basis to help me to navigate my grief. And I'm offering it to you free of charge. It's a free download. Just go to my website, www.grieftogrowth.com slash gems, G-E-M-S, and grab it there for free. I hope you enjoy it. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.